Thanks so much for joining us for the latest episode of Taking the Complex and Making It Simple, the Merlin Wealth Management Educational Podcast. Join us as Michael Merlin, founder of Merlin Wealth Management, and various friends and experts break down complicated financial topics to make them easy to understand. If you'd like more information about Merlin Wealth Management, please visit our website at rcm.rocco.com forward slash Merlin. And with that, here's founder of Merlin Wealth Management and private wealth advisor at Rockefeller Capital Management, Michael Merlin. Uh, thanks, Tom, and and welcome everyone to uh, taking the complex and making it simple, the Merlin Wealth Management Podcast. Excited to be here for our first podcast of 2023 uh, on a very important uh, and highly uh, popular topic, which is uh, how to manage your Social Security. Uh, and I am excited to be joined today by uh, my longtime partner and friend, Adam Abramson. Uh, Adam obviously is the head of our of Merlin Wealth Management's uh, high net worth business and uh, is our resident social security expert. And so, uh, Adam, it's great to have you here. Thanks for being on the on the podcast. Excited to be here, and um, like you said, great way to start twenty twenty three. And I can't think of a more exciting topic. It's so. <laughs> Um, so, uh, you know, when, when I was when I was thinking about this uh, this podcast, and I know we'll go through a, a bunch of topics. You know, I did I did look back, and I thought it was it's actually kind of interesting to see that you know Social Security, which was originally uh, the act, which was originally created in 1935, um, you know, and, and there were subsequent acts that added benefits, like allowing for spouses and children to uh, to get uh, benefits after the retiree was deceased, and adding disability benefits and things like that. But even as as far back as 1975, you you can find articles that talk about Social Security running out and the government not having enough money to follow through with benefits. And you know, obviously, that's something we all hear about today. And uh, I know that a lot of the retirees think about, you know, are we, are we really going to get our Social Security? Is it going to really come through? Are the benefits going to be reduced? Is the age going to get increased? And 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 to an extent, we've seen that occur at different times over different years. So I think the first thing maybe we want to talk about to start is, is how do people qualify for Social Security and what does determine the amount that they receive? Sure. So to qualify to receive Social Security benefits, you need to work 40 quarters or about 10 years, um, which is what makes you eligible to actually receive benefits. Then to actually determine how much you receive, the the Social Security calculation is it takes the average of the 35 highest years of earnings, um, and that then determines what you are eligible at um, and what they call primary, the uh, full retirement age or primary uh, insurance amount. Is there a, I mean, I'm assuming there's a, a cap on that, like there's a maximum amount? There is, there is a cap. So for 2023, the maximum uh, uh, monthly amount at full retirement age is $3,627. And the way that you get there is right now, Social Security each year, if you're working, Social Security, you pay Social Security tax up to a certain amount of your income. Last year in 2022, that was $147,000. This year in 2023, you pay that Social Security tax on the first $160,000 of earnings you have, and that's 6.2%. And your employer also pays another 6.2. So unfortunately, if you're self-employed, you play both sides or you pay 12.4% in Social Security tax. And so, and how does someone uh how does someone monitor or figure out like how much Social Security they would essentially be due? Like where 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 do they find that information? 
So what they can do is they can go on the Social Security website. They create an account. It's quite easy. Um, and that, uh, and they can go on and see what their uh, what their Social Security benefit amount is. And that also that amount will change on a yearly basis by two things. One is the amount of earnings. So if you're continuing to work, that will have an impact on the amount. And the other thing is we've seen in the news that every year the Social Security Administration gives a cost of living increase to the amounts. And so that also determines the amount uh, that's received. Got it. And if someone's still working but is eligible for, for Social Security, can they still collect their benefits while they're working? I know you mentioned that part of their salary gets gets the Social Security tax, but can they can they collect benefits while they're still working? So you can, however, you can only so if you're before your full retirement age. So for most people, full retirement age is either 66, depending on how old you are, or 67. If you claim Social Security before you reach that full retirement age, the benefits of the amount you can actually receive is reduced based on if you're still working. So typically, if you're still working, it is not a good idea to claim Social Security before you retire or before you reach full retirement age because you are going to be permanently taking a reduced amount and you won't even be getting the full benefit because your earnings uh uh, decrease what they'll actually pay you during those years before full retirement age. Once you actually get to full retirement age, then you can claim Social Security, get the full amount, and still work. Uh, so you get if you choose to work past 66 or 67, you get the best of both worlds. Got it. So so if I'm if I'm 70 years old and still working, but <clears throat> want to collect my benefits, I can collect the full amount at that point. Absolutely. So, you know, I think one question we I know we get asked a lot by clients is how what's the best way for them to determine when to start collecting Social Security? I know that there's you know some different strategies out there about when to take it and when to not take it. And so what, what's what's your view on, on that? Yeah, so you can take Social Security as early as age 62. If you take it early, you are permanently reducing the amount of Social Security you get for the for the rest of your life. The way it works is every month before 62, you take it and you reduce your Social Security benefit by about a half a percent. So what that means is for someone who's full retirement age is 66, if you take it at 62, you are getting 25% less than you would get, and that's for the rest of your life. Um, so typically it doesn't make, you know, if you can prevent it. Now it's one thing if you need the money or if you're in poor health, right? And health is a big thing. You, you know, unfortunately your life expectancy is short. Maybe you take it early. But for most people, it makes sense to, to wait until at least full retirement age. So the things to think about are, right, what is your health? What's your kind of life expectancy? Two is what other sources of income do you have? That uh, do you have? Fortunately for most of our clients, there are other sources of income they can tap into. They don't need to take it early. And then the other scenario is if you wait past uh, your full retirement age, from that age all the way till 70, the benefit increases by 8% per year for every year you don't take it. So there's a big advantage, that's a guaranteed 8% return to wait. However, obviously, if you wait from 66 till 70 uh, and don't take it, you know, you've given up those four years. So you need to, you know, theoretically, you need to live a certain amount of time to make up that to make up that loss four years. So it does if with this compounding of 8% and you mentioned before that the max there's a maximum benefit, does the compounding compound the maximum benefit or are you still capped at that same maximum? So it does, it compounds the maximum benefit. So you can, you know, your benefit's gonna be 
again, for someone who's who's full retirement age at, at 66, it's going to be 32% higher than that maximum full retirement age benefit. So it's a big benefit. Typically, and again, there's some assumptions that are baked into kind of how you calculate what's called a break-even analysis. Right. But if you expect to live longer than about 10 or 11 years past age 70, it makes sense to wait until 70 to take it. So now, that's the that's that's the break-even point. It's about 10 or 11 years. Right. And break-even is determined by things like, well, what can I do if I reinvest the money? How, you know, what would it earn? So there's factors, but that's roughly the amount of time. And if if you if you've waited if you've waited the four years and you've collected the the compounding the eight percent compounding and then you pass away and your spouse gets that benefit does that does it, does it, does it stay at that compounded amount or does no, it so, so so well yeah so that spouse spousal benefits is is a unique scenario so for survivor benefits if you're to pass to if you wait until age seventy take your benefits. And then you pass away. The spousal benefit does include that additional eight percent per year, so there is a big benefit there. Um, and and I should say this: you don't it, you don't have to if you don't take it at sixty six, you don't have to wait until seventy. You can take it at any point from sixty six to seventy, and each and it actually compounds monthly. So you're not gonna you don't need to wait till a year anniversary. You can take it at any point in that during that time, and you'll get whatever how the 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 increase. However long you waited. Got it. So, so we 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 started we sort of started touching on, as you or you just started touching on spousal benefits, and I know that there are usually a lot of questions around spousal benefits. So, I guess the first question that I would have is, if you are married, right, is there a strategy for how to take Social Security? Say both spouses worked, should they stagger the benefits like how should they how should they how should a, a couple think about the social security in a in most intelligent way so before 2016 there were more there was a few more complicated scenarios on how to take it something called a restricted application the the laws changed at that point to make it uh more simple but um for married couples you know you have both your own benefit if you worked and then you also have the, you know, you, there's also the option to take what's called a spousal benefit. And what the spousal benefit is, is you are entitled to either the greater of your benefit or half of your spouse's. So in one, just to, to lay out a scenario, if the one spouse has a uh, full retirement age benefit of $3,000, and the other spouse who also worked has their own benefit of $2,200, Right, they would both. They essentially would both claim their own because half of three thousand is fifteen hundred, but yours is higher at twenty two hundred. Right. Conversely, though, if the if one spouse didn't work at all, they had, don't have a social security benefit. However, they do have the option to claim a spousal benefit, and so in that scenario, they would receive fifteen hundred dollars per month, which is half of their spouse's work benefit. The way to think about, you know, there's a there's a couple ways to think about you know, if you're married, how to claim benefits. Um, and again, part of this determines need for, for income, uh, life expectancy, et cetera. There is one, in general, in, if you take, and if anybody takes their retirement benefit early, you, all, you always get the reduced amount. So if you claim it before 66, so let's say your spouse is older, they're claiming their benefit, they're 68 years old, you're 62 and you wanna claim the spousal, 
you can do that, but you're taking a reduced benefit because you're claiming it before your own full retirement age. Um, there is a thought if both spouses worked, um, there is a strategy where one spouse, the spouse with the lower amount of income takes theirs first to start the income flowing. The spouse with a higher benefit, which will benefit more from the 8% compounding, waits until 70. And the other thing that does is if that spouse at 70 is the one who passes first, right, the, 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 the surviving spouse will get the higher the benefit. Mm. The other thing to think about as far as survivor benefits go is you, you are entitled to a 100% of, the, of your deceased spouse benefits. So if their benefits, so if they wait until 70, you get that full amount. And if that amount is greater than your own, it, you switch to the survivor benefit. Um, for other people where maybe you know, there's, you know, uh, there's some health issues in the family, they, life expectancy isn't as long, some people choose just to take both at that full retirement age right? Don't get the reduction, but go ahead and get the income flowing. So I guess the, a question that I would have also, I mean, I think that explains a lot about how the spousal benefits can get taken. I think it, there, there is obviously some, some strategy to be, to be contemplated there. Um, I guess the other question we get a lot of is, is whether, are there situations where social security is taxed or taxed differently for depending on, on the individual? Yeah, so Social Security, a lot of people don't realize that Social Security, you actually pay tax on it. So if you have over a certain amount of income and the threshold is very low, you pay tax on your Social Security benefit and you pay tax on roughly 85% of that benefit. That would apply to most of our clients. Again, most people, when they see their retire Social Security statement, they assume that they that they're going to, if it says $3,000, that they're, that that's, you know, the taxes are, hey, I've already paid tax. And that's what I'm going to get. Unfortunately, you're going to pay tax on that. Um, the other thing is, if you're if you're already eligible for Medicare, typically they're going to deduct your Medicare premium from your Social Security um, payment. The other thing from a state standpoint, states vary in how they tax Social Security. There are some states that do tax Social Security benefits, um, but the majority of states do not. So typically you're going to pay federal tax on those benefits. And again, depending on your state, you may or may not pay state tax on those benefits. And so, so I, I, this question is one that I know will be hard to answer, but since we're coming close to the end, I'm gonna I'm gonna ask it anyway and see see what your thoughts are. You know, Social Security has obviously, whether it was the intention or not the intention, you know, Social Security has become kind of a you pay in, and when you pay in, you're essentially paying the benefits of somebody else and so you have to hope that by the time your benefits come along, uh, that, so there's, that there's enough people paying in to kind of help make your benefits uh, uh, complete. And, you know, I know there's been a lot of talk about the fact that, you know, you have a huge generation of baby boomers that are that are retired and, you know, less workers going into the workforce to kind of support them. You know, what, what's your, what's your, does any of your, the advice you give or that we should be giving, does any of it, Kind of revolve around the fact that that whether it's again you know this conversation we talked about that started in 1975 which is at some point the benefits are going to could run out or the social security trust fund could run out you know the demographics and sort of the you know the 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 probabilities at this point seem like there's going to have to be another discussion about how benefits get extended which can only mean two things right one is the age gets extended again and or the benefits get cut in some way 
you have a view on sort of what what that looks like and kind of how it how it changes the way we advise folks depending on their age or or when they might be collecting their social security? Yeah, it's a good question. And I think just from a high level, right? We we you know some people um, maybe when they're younger don't think say, hey, social security is it's not gonna be much. It's not there. You know, social security, you know, even for our clients who typically have been successful, you know, is a is a is a meaningful component of retirement income, right? It's not it's not the complete amount, but it's a it's one component, and for most people, it, you know, it can be a a, a, a meaningful amount. Um, so to answer your question, you know, politically, you know, it'd be very um, uh, challenging to change Social Security for people who are already receiving it, right? I mean, that's a huge block of voters, and and you know, what we've heard a lot is, you know, for people who are probably, you know, in their fifties or sixties approaching retirement, the 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 likelihood of it changing for you. Uh, it probably will not, you know, it's, it's unlikely to change, right? So there'll be benefits there. And look, we've already seen that they've pushed out the age, right? It used to be 65, turned 66. Now it's 60, you know, it's going to be 67 um, coming up soon. So you're already pushing out the age when you're eligible for those full retirement benefits. And it, probably what's going to happen is for people who are younger, they're going to continue to have, you know, that age will continue to get pushed out. As far as when you're eligible to claim benefits, that will help you know, kind of preserve some of the finances of the Social Security system. The other thing that's been talked about, which you know is probably politically more challenging, but it's possible, right? Is they you know, it could be that there is a law that makes them means tested, meaning I paid into Social Security, but if I'm making if I have income or some kind of threshold over a certain amount, maybe my Social Security gets reduced. I think for most people, you know, even for younger people. Social Security will probably be there in some form, but it'll probably be a later age that they can actually go and take it. I think it's unlikely that it'll be gone altogether. Interesting. Um, so any any parting thoughts before we uh, we close it down? No, I, I think the parting thoughts are that, so for each person um, or each in each family, Social Security, you know, there is a there is not a one size fits all as far as, far as when to take Social Security. It's important to look at the complete financial picture, like we said, have honest conversations about health and longevity, and also views on, um, you know, just views in general about long-term planning. So again, this is a component of somebody's financial plan. It's important to, to, to talk to, to us as advisors and, and coordinate with other, your other uh, professionals like CPAs to determine what is the best uh, method to take that and to have a plan and to really think about this at least a few years before retirement. Um, and to also do those things like we talked about at the beginning, go ahead, if you don't know the amount, you know, uh, sign up, you know, get a login and go ahead and check what your amount is. Thanks, Adam. I think this has been uh, obviously very informative and you know, I hope, I hope uh, our listeners uh, learned a lot. Obviously, if you have additional questions or want to talk about an individual situation, obviously, uh, as Adam mentioned, reach out to us. These are not decisions that should be made in a vacuum, obviously within the uh, the context of your own financial picture and your financial planning uh, is the best way to look at anything, but certainly this as well. And you know, clearly as Adam articulated today, there are a lot of different components. There are a lot of different strategies. And so uh, making sure that you're maximizing your benefit and, and doing it in the right and in, in the most efficient way, I think is, uh, is something that that can can help everyone. So uh, thanks again, Adam, for for being here and sharing all that great information. 
Uh, thanks to all of our listeners who are out there uh, listening uh, to our first podcast of 23. Uh, and we'll be, uh, we'll be in front of you again soon with, uh, with our next podcast. So uh, thanks for listening. Thanks again for listening to this episode of Taking the Complex and Making It Simple, the Merlin Wealth Management Educational Podcast. For more information on Merlin Wealth Management, please visit our website at rcm.rocco.com forward slash Merlin. Please stay tuned for an important legal disclaimer. This recording is provided for informational purposes only and is not an offer to buy or sell or solicitation of an offer to buy or sell any security or to participate in any investment strategy and should not be interpreted to constitute a recommendation with respect to any security or investment plan. The views and opinions expressed are solely those of the presenters as of the date of this recording may not be current and are subject to change and are general in nature. Rockefeller Capital Management has no obligation to provide any updates or changes. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are not necessarily those of Rockefeller Capital Management and may differ from the views and opinions of other departments or divisions of Rockefeller Capital Management and its affiliates. Rockefeller Capital Management is not providing any financial, economic, legal, accounting, or tax advice or recommendations in this podcast. The information is not individualized. You should review any planned financial transactions or arrangement that may have tax, accounting, or legal implications with your personal professional advisors. Rockefeller Capital Management does not guarantee the accuracy or reliability of the information provided in this podcast, and any liability, therefore, including in respect of direct, indirect, or consequential loss or damage, is expressly disclaimed. No investment strategy can guarantee profit or protection from loss. Future results may vary substantially from past performance. Investing involves risk, including a risk of loss. This recording may not be copied, reproduced, or distributed in whole or in part for any purpose without prior written consent. Rockefeller Capital Management is the marketing name of Rockefeller Capital Management LP and its affiliates. Merlin Wealth Management is part of Rockefeller Financial LLC, a broker-dealer and investment advisor duly registered with the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission, member Financial Industry Regulatory Authority, and Securities Investor Protection Corporation. The registrations and memberships mentioned in no way imply the SEC has endorsed the entities, products, or services discussed herein. Additional information is available upon request.